Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I'm honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 28 of season one of This Osteopathic Life. This episode has taken a little nurturing, a little patience, a bit of a redo to get recorded. And this has happened once or twice before where I began with a certain topic in mind and got through the majority of the recording and it just didn't come together. It didn't end up where I thought it would be, nor did it end up in a place where it seemed preferable to what the original plan might have been. And so I waited. It seemed like one of those things. It wasn't quite ready. You know, if you're baking and you put the knife or the toothpick in and it comes out with just a little bit left, you think, two more minutes. Let it bake, let it come together so it's not too soggy in the middle, not too unstable. So when we cut it, we can have a piece come out whole. And it seems like this is where this podcast was. And I really wanted to record it this past weekend when I was out at the Oregon coast, somewhat for the fun of being in a new location, some to harness the beauty and the energy and the majesty of the open water, some to capture the experience I had reconnecting with one of my osteopathic kindreds on nearly kind of the 10th anniversary of our joining together and observing a bit of a course of osteopaths from all over the world. Some to commemorate a moment spent with the amazing musician, Rachel Palin, who plays the opening and closing pieces for each of these podcasts. And we've stuck together and recorded a new one, changing with our themes and our emotions every third podcast. And today's will be a continuance and hopefully we'll get some new episodes in the future, but perhaps not. And we'll be patient as Rachel bravely sets forth into treatment in Seattle for bone marrow transplant for leukemia. And I'm going to put the link for her GoFundMe in the show notes here and hope you'll all take a moment to stop by to read her story, to donate if you are willing and able, and to appreciate the beauty that she brings to the world in her music. You can purchase t-shirts from her Let Music Live campaign and support keeping her well and able to continue to produce beautiful music for this podcast, for herself, for her students, to get back into her role as teacher and performer. And I'd hoped perhaps to record the podcast in that moment, capturing all that energy 
but it turns out I needed a little bit of time and space and reflection to actually formulate the real thought behind it. And one of the moments of inspiration for me was in walking on the beach over the weekend and just taking time. You know, initially I wanted to go for a run, but I just had a treatment and sometimes it's better to let yourself settle a bit, not do something so strenuous or jarring immediately following the run, but also just to take in the beach from that pace of walking and really having time to look out, to appreciate, to walk barefoot in the waves, to take pictures of the different shells and beautiful colors, and appreciate being out there, not for any particular pace or time or distance, but just being more present, which is something I need to work on quite a bit. And in the moments when I was walking and putting my feet in the icy cold water, it was interesting because there were clear open sandy parts of the beach and then there were rocky parts often immediately adjacent and at different degrees, different densities, different concentrations, different sizes of rocks in various parts. And what struck me as I stood and observed was the difference in sound between the two. And having spent a lot of time on Lake Michigan, on the west coast of Lake Michigan, where it's a predominantly sandy beach, we don't have kind of that feedback or the noise involved that rocks can create with a receding tide. And I recorded from both places visually, and I've been recording these kind of one-minute meditations, and most of them are surrounding water, but just sounds in nature, and I'm going to be uploading them to thesociopathiclife.com as an option for minute meditations throughout your day. Ideally, it would be great to get out in nature and take that moment yourself and fulfill all the senses in that way. But if you can't and you're stuck in your office or just don't have the time to get all the way outside, perhaps clicking on one of these and just taking that minute, hearing the sounds of nature for the videos, visually seeing them and allowing yourself to be transported with intention could be a useful tool. So when I was walking on the beach in Oregon and was struck by the distinctness of the sound in the area where it was just sand, in the area where rock was involved, and that going away of the tide, the receding, was like the exhale. You know, it felt like the tide coming in, this big whoosh, this growth phase, this inhalation. And that's the noise, that's the sound that we often seek. You know, we think about staying by the ocean, by the Great Lakes, if you have that option. That's normally what we hear, you know, is that coming forth and inhalation component of the tide, but we don't always notice that receding and it can be overwhelmed. You know, sometimes that next wave, that next breath comes before the other has a complete chance to move away. And there's some loss of that distinction there. 
And it can sometimes be more subtle. And as I listened over the rocky areas in particular, I was struck by the quality of the sound, by the turbulence of it. You know, there's friction. You know, it's not a smooth surface. There's bumps in the process. And so that exhalation was a little more turbulent. And as I kept walking, I thought, did I just miss that? You know, does it not does it sound like that in Michigan? And I just haven't observed it. But as I came to the full on sandy component, it wasn't that way. You know, it was relatively quiet. There wasn't any extra changes in elevation or texture that the water had to move over and it was able to just kind of move away quietly. And thinking about first my own experience in life recently as I met with that osteopathic kindred as I mentioned, kind of recapped the last year to 18 months of my life, you know, it's been pretty hectic and turbulent and it can seem like a lot and sound like a lot and it definitely feels like my exhalation is rocky. You know, it's hard work to kind of let that breath out and make space for a new one to come in. And perhaps something to work toward or move toward or look forward to is that smoother, sandier portion where the exhale can be relatively seamless and not feel like it's taking more effort to do. And it's able to make space to move into the next thing, the next requirement, without quite so much arduousness. We can allow that to be a word. And that's where I was when I was starting the recording. And as I tried to draw a more clear connection to osteopathy, why it didn't seem so grossly apparent, I'm not sure. But sometimes you need like I said, a little space, a little perspective to get there. Interestingly, the course for which my colleague was in town was, I won't say the final, but one of the most senior phases of biodynamics, a field of study in osteopathy. It's very much about the tide. That's part of the reason it takes place you know, on the shores of the Pacific Ocean and takes the students to a river you know, in one of the evenings and it's looking at fluid and movement and breath. And of course, with that comes inhalation and exhalation. So it seemed quite obvious, but it wasn't at the moment. And it was actually during clinic this week where I have a medical student with me again for the first time I, as the lead director of the rotation here in Oregon for the second time in the last quarter of the year. And it's important to me to be a participant in teaching future generations of osteopathic physicians and encouraging implementation of osteopathic philosophy and practice in any way that makes sense with the specialty they might choose. So these aren't students who are necessarily going to go into my specialty and may not implement osteopathic manipulative treatment or hands-on treatment in the course of their care of patients, but they can certainly utilize osteopathic philosophy in the assessment and treatment of their patients and of the health of themselves. And that's my hope 
in serving as clinical faculty during the third and fourth years of medical school. And so I went from working with these osteopaths from around the world in their ninth year of in-depth study in biodynamic treatment and philosophy to a third-year medical student on his third rotation. And the question that led me to recording this podcast actually came from a patient. And we were treating the patient using what some might call craniosacral methods, you know, balanced membranous tension, fluid technique. There are different ways people professionally think about it. And she, like most patients, wanted to know what was happening. And when you're the recipient of this treatment, it can seem very subtle. It can seem like not much is going on. It can feel like voodoo. You know, often the physician has hands somewhere under the head, under the shoulders, under the lower extremities, under the sacrum of the patient, and very subtly is listening for how motion is and how they can support, provide balance, give the right feedback in order to encourage optimal function within the system. And to explain that, the patient wanted to know what it is we are feeling for, what changes we might notice, how it influences the whole body, and it's a great question. And it's one that's important to be able to answer. And as I talked to her about it, that moment of standing you know, on the shore of the ocean came back to me. And so we now move in to this episode of the podcast and look at the importance of exhalation. And as I spoke to her and tried to give a relatively concise summary of cranial treatment and the primary respiratory mechanism, we speak about secondary respiration or the respiration most of us consider when we think about breathing the diaphragm moving, the lungs exchanging oxygen, moving air. That's what we often think about with respiration. But with primary respiration, we take it back to the core movement and the coordination in the body. You know, so it's a rhythmic impulse that's present ideally equally in all aspects of the body, all layers, from head to toe, in the paired structures in your arms and legs, and in the midline, in the spinal cord, and in the brain. And it should all be moving together in the same direction at the same time, with the same amplitude and frequency, with the same rhythm. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes certain areas aren't moving as well as they could. Some might be a little slower. Sometimes one side is stuck versus the other. We're looking to see how we can restore equal and complete motion in all areas of the body. And so having a student with me, he's able to observe, say, at the feet of the patient while I'm at the head, and detect, listen with his hands for what does the movement feel like here and how do changes up at the head influence motion down at the feet. And if we think about the phases... Inhalation and exhalation, right? That's what we talk about breathing and respiration. Inhalation, we associate with flexion. And the flexion phase in the body 
is kind of a widening. So it's external rotation. So if you, you know, have your feet lying straight out in front of you and you turn the toes out, that's external rotation. And with flexion, there's kind of a widening of all the bones in the head. Your sacrum, your tailbone kind of tips backward, kind of the broad part of it. The part nearer to your head kind of moves back or posteriorly. Or if you were lying down, it would move closer to the floor. And there's this spreading out. That's the inhalation or flexion phase of primary respiration. And the exhalation or the extension phase is the opposite. So it's internal rotation. So if you're looking at your feet, they would turn in, rotate in. Your sacrum, the base of your sacrum would move forward. And everything in your head kind of narrow. You know, so we see this narrowing. And as we think about favorable and unfavorable patterns, oftentimes extension can be seen as perhaps unfavorable. We think about babies who are colicky, they'll often have extension patterns in the bones of their head and it can be limiting and irritating and we try to encourage flexion in their system. You know, a bilaterally extended sacrum where it's tipped backward and it can't move forward easily can be quite painful. It can limit a lot of motion and just can be a restrictive place. So a lot of times, if we had to choose one, you know, it might be more favorable to live more in flexion phase. That said, as I thought about it, and that was mostly what I talked to the patient about, hopefully, maybe a little more clearly than that, she seemed to appreciate it and expressed understanding and feedback of gratitude for taking the time to walk through what might be happening with treatment or the goal of why and how we're applying treatment and assessment and reevaluation. What I thought about in this challenge of exhalation and what it means to be extended, I thought about one of the techniques we often will use, and it's kind of a go-to. It's a, you know, sometimes if you don't know what to do, you use this, or if you really need to kind of jumpstart someone's system, you know, they just don't seem well, it's going to be a place to go to encourage better motion. It's called the CV4, and it's compressing the fourth ventricle in the head. And it's a technique where you encourage extension and actually resist flexion for a series of cycles until you reach a still point, and then you release and relax and encourage the flexion phase. And as I pulled up different articles and some studies one that was really fascinating to me was from the American Academy of Osteopathy by Dr. Mark Rosen from the 2011 convocation or annual meeting, which took place that year in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and talked about the purpose of the CV4 is to restore normal function. And I sat with that for a while and thought about when and how we use the CV4 and what it means to take a moment and encourage extension and exhalation and spend time there and see what the potency is and how that makes it more effective and more efficient and more meaningful when we do then take a deep breath. 
know, it's creating that space and that room for comparison that we sometimes take for granted. You know, it's obviously good to inhale. We need to take breath in. We need you know, oxygen to be brought into the system. But you can't just keep taking a deep breath. You have to exhale. And the more completely you can do so, the more efficiently and effectively and meaningfully you can take in that breath. And admittedly, it feels like I've maybe been skipping that portion, literally, figuratively, in my breathing, in my daily action, in the space for rest and rejuvenation. And so I thought about what it might mean you know, to CV4, not just your cranium, not just a physical body part, but your life. So what does it mean and how could you enhance that exhalation phase? Can you take a pause? Can you encourage yourself to really let it all out? I remember when I first started running longer distances, I would get these crazy cramps and I couldn't even finish the first high school cross-country race I attempted and thankfully wasn't allowed to cross the finish line because I had been delayed in getting my physical, so I could blame it on that. But truly, I had these excruciating cramps, and I remember my brother talking to me about breathing out the bad air, you know, kind of changing the ratio of your breathing where you breathe out almost more than you breathe in, which when you're running doesn't seem very helpful because you want to take in as much air as you can. But taking the time and focusing on the exhale during the running made it easier to finish. It helped those cramps dissipate or blowing out the bad air. And that's what I say when I train my kids at run club and they have cramps. That's what we say, blow out the bad air, you know, blow out the bad before you can take in the good. And I think for me and maybe for many of us, it's been a challenging and tumultuous time coming through the equinox. There's a lot of different energy that's happening. And the equinox is fascinating for its point of balance. And we're actually technically, at least in Oregon, coming to the true, I guess, occurrence of equinox where we have exactly the same amount of daylight and darkness. You know, the two halves of the day or 12 hours each tomorrow, the 26th, actually. And then we move into a longer time of darkness, And what that means for us, perhaps we're getting a little more time to exhale, to be an extension, to internally rotate, to narrow, allowing us for when it's time to be able to take a more full and complete and meaningful breath in and widen and extra rotate and take up the space and take up the good air in a more meaningful fashion. And coming through the equinox in the change of seasons, my daughter, always full of fascinating questions, you know, was asking us about why it has to get darker sooner and why do we even have to have these seasons? And as any of you with young children know, it keeps you on your toes and makes you make sure you're actually answering these questions appropriately and authentically and, you know, not just passing along information that's been told to you. So we go and we resource it and investigate and make sure we're 
learning and seeing, you know, the axis of the earth and what it means for certain parts of our world to have more sun exposure at certain parts of the year and what that looks like for us. You know, how is our axis tilted? Because it's thought that, you know, something probably tipped the earth. I think it was probably more upright initially and then some various force tipped it. And that's become the normal and it works, right? We understand how to adapt to the different seasons and we have expectations for the length of the day. But what happens when we're knocked off our axis and we haven't reoriented to that and we expect there to be an even balance between work and play and stress and relief and when there's not, you know, we have to spend longer times in darkness, do we have the awareness to understand that perhaps it's priming us for that more meaningful inhale when it's time? Do we have resources to reassure us and encourage us that we can make it through you know, that extended time in the darkness? In the exhale, that it's good for us in many ways? Or do we need to reorient? You know, do we need to change what it is we move about? Or can we right that axis? You know, is there space to bring it back up to a more recognizable neutral? And it's been a fascinating week in that way as I consider what I need to do for my own life, how I can shift my approach for patients, how I can apply that more effectively in my parenting, and what it means to simply be more mindful of the inhalation, of the exhalation, to listen for what it is that I need. And when that exhalation breath is a little rockier, to maybe be okay with it, to understand why, and to see what it takes to move to that smoother, sandier shore. So I'm going to pause talking here for a moment and play you back-to-back these two minutes of audio recording of the ocean and the tide and the inhaling and moving forth of the waves and the exhaling and the receding of the waves and see if you can tell which is first. The rocky shoreline the smooth sandy shoreline, and which one speaks to you, which one reflects where you might be right now, which one can you see is where you could move toward. And maybe it's a bit of both. Maybe that's the balance, and it's just the 12 hours you spend in one, and as we spin and rotate, the 12 hours you spend in the other. So let's take these two minutes and meditate with these two versions of the tide.
So I'd like to end with some gratitudes here to you for listening, to my osteopathic kindred and colleague for dedication to learning all these years and inspiration to continue. I'm hoping to get back on track with courses with her. To Dr. Jim Jealous for his work in studying and teaching and training in biodynamic osteopathy with students from all over the world. It's always a joy to see the energy and the connectedness at the courses. To my amazing musician friend and colleague, Rachel Palin. Again, if you're able, check out the link in the show notes and donate to her campaign so we can let music live and support the health for many, many years to come. And that wraps the episode for today. Thanks for your patience and letting it come together. We are fully formed, at least for this episode, and we'll continue to grow and evolve as we move forward. This is Dr. Beaky with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.